Canada is expected um, to lead all G7 countries this year in the global economy, according to the International Monetary Fund. Uh, questions are, what does that mean for the average Canadian like you and I? Will we see any benefit? Michael Veals, a professor with the Department of Economics at McMaster University, and joins me now. Michael, welcome back to the program. Uh, glad to be here. So, um, okay, for, for most of us, uh, you know, looking at um, reports about the world economic outlook put out by the International Monetary Fund make most of our eyes glaze over. Can you take us through this and uh, explain uh, what it is that's important about this and and why uh, it's expected that Canada will lead uh, the G7 in economic growth? So basically, it's modestly good news. It's a confirmation that the Canadian economy is on the right track. I think we have to remember there's an important regional aspect and that Alberta with uh, lower lower oil prices is probably not doing as well. British Columbia, Ontario are doing uh, a little bit better. Uh, bringing up the average sum for the country as a whole. But on balance, it's it's good news, but it's not spectacularly good news. It's still pretty modest growth. Uh, it's not the sort of growth that Canada had in some 60s, 70s, 80s. It's, it's more like the modern, the new normal of low growth. Okay, so um, uh, again, uh, what does this mean to the average person on the street? What, what, what benefit will we see out of this? Well, it will mean that uh, we expect unemployment rates will continue to tick down. Again, it won't be dramatic. We will expect that uh, incomes will continue to go up, not in anything dramatic. It's not a bonanza, but it's, it's positive news. It suggests that a recession is a little bit more unlikely, uh, that the Canadian economy is in a little bit more robust. And as I said, probably particularly uh, this part of the world, because we aren't going to have the, the down drag that's being caused by the uh, lower oil prices. The other thing we should remember is that some of this is just a little bit of a bounce back effect. If you go back a year ago, uh, Canada actually had negative growth for a period, and that was largely attributable to the the fires at Fort McMurray, uh, which cut off the oil industry. And if you're not producing as much in the oil industry, that obviously reduces national production. Uh, Now that oil industry is fully back on stream, and so that's part of the reason that Canada is doing a little bit better. I think aside from that, we would not be particularly better than the other countries, but it is good news that the G7 as a whole is mostly in a growth mode. Uh, Japan, that had been doing very poorly, is doing a little bit better. Uh, France and Germany are sort of solid, middling. The United States, while they're talking about being slightly less optimistic than they were before, is still uh, producing some growth. And typically, Canada, being a trading nation, does well when other trading nations are doing well. Alberta was a boom place for a while, uh, with the oil, and then the world price of oil d- dropped. How how are, how are we affected by that? And and our and you said that you know the oil industry is is uh, is bouncing back. Um, how f- how far are we going to bounce back? Do you think? So it, I probably shouldn't have said it bounced back fully because even though the fires uh, ended. Um, the oil price being low means that they aren't as uh, enthusiastic in production as they might normally be. Um, In Ontario, I think there's kind of two factors. One factor is that we observe that gasoline prices are lower than they were a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, and that gives people money to spend on other things, and that tends to be good for the Ontario economy. Uh, The bad news is that Alberta also contributes a lot to the national coffers in terms of the tax revenue from the uh, booming oil industry, and now when the oil industry is not booming so much, they're obviously not as big contributors, and that worsens the fiscal position of the country as a whole. So for Canada as a whole, it's actually a negative when oil prices go down because we're a net exporter of oil. Uh, but 
it's probably not as negative for Ontario as it would be for Alberta. Okay. Um, the the uh, recent um, increase in interest rates by the uh, Bank of Canada is, is is that a should you know people see interest rate increase and they get rattled you know because it, it filters down to mortgage rates and so on and so forth but you know we haven't had a, a rise in the in our interest rates for what since 2007 I believe it is um, should we not be seeing that as a good thing that that it's an, a sign that our economy is better yeah I think it shows the Bank of Canada has a little bit more confidence in our economy uh, it also reflects in this latest IMF forecast. I think it's probably one of the reasons that even though they're saying we're going to grow uh, particularly well this year, that next year's Canada's growth is going to be a little bit lower. That's partly a reflection of the effect these higher interest rates are going to have. As you've probably noticed, the Canadian dollar has gone up. That's also partly in response to the increase in interest rates. It means that people who go to shop in the United States are going to get a little bit better bargains. But because of that, that actually reduces a little bit of demand in Canada. What about all the political, you know, ramble about from Donald Trump and the Trump administration about, you know, changing trade deals and and upending things, uh, and and how is that affecting the outlook where Canada is concerned by other other nations? So that's a negative factor. I think that it was probably a more negative factor three or four months ago, uh, when it looked like what Trump might do would be particularly serious for Canada. Uh, the latest information seems to be that it's not going to be particularly hard for, for Canada, uh, maybe harder for Mexico. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. I do think that it matters that uh, the policy environment in the United States is more uncertain than it used to be, but I don't think it matters that much for Canada. I think it matters a little bit, but not so much. How, how uh, important are um, are these types of, of predictions, uh, these these updates, and how accurate are they uh, that, that are put out by groups like the International Monetary Fund? Do, are they to be taken seriously? Or are they to be taken with a grain of salt or somewhere in between? Well, you have to take them with a grain of salt because it's just inherently a hard thing to do to forecast the economy. We're talking about just Canada alone. Yeah. We're talking about the economic transactions involving 35 million people and all the complications that are in our daily lives, it's just multiplied by the country as a whole. And then Canada is only 2-3% of the world economy. And so we're talking about what's going on in all these other countries, and of course all the countries interact with each other. And the IMF forecast does probably as well as possible. Uh, it's probably the best of the forecasts, which is why we take it more seriously than the others. And probably on the margin, there will be a few firms that will make a few more investment decisions towards Canada uh, because the picture looks a little brighter. Uh, and partly because of this IMF forecast. But again, we shouldn't talk about this as a bonanza or something spectacular. This is just modestly good news, uh, things moving in the right direction, but nothing that's going to uh, change us dramatically. There was a lot of talk for a, a, a brief period of time. I haven't seen too much of it in the media lately about China and uh, how they were their wages were starting to increase and costs were starting to increase of manufacturing over there to the point where um, some American-based companies were uh, talking about reshoring jobs, bringing jobs back to the United States because it was no longer, uh, you know, there was no economic advantage anymore to having things made over in China. Uh, is, is that is that still the trend? Are we are we seeing any of that happening? And could Canada uh, benefit from reshoring? Or is there any, any uh, new news on that? Uh, there's a little bit of that, but I think that 
that primarily those sorts of firms are actually going to go to other places where okay. the, there hasn't been the wage burst. Uh, uh, some of the uh, Indo-Chinese countries, uh, sorry, uh, countries like uh, Thailand or um, countries like that, uh, Vietnam. Uh, so I think there's some moving out of China to to other places. I think Sub-Saharan Gra- uh, Africa has got a little bit more growth going, which is very good news. Uh, the last year's growth was one one and a half percent. This year it's going to be closer to three uh, percent. China itself, despite what you say, which is true, there's China still looking at growth that's going to be pretty close to seven percent this year, and that's a little bit of an upgrade from the previous IMF forecast. So China's going along well, like any country developing. Uh, once you're on this growth path, they do have the prospect of much faster growth than an already developed country like Canada. Um, but part of that growth path is making the changes that need to be uh, made to get out of uh, low-wage industries and into industries in which uh, the wages are a little bit higher, where people aren't just doing the most basic skills but are taking advantage of some of their education and doing more advanced things. And I think China is on that path. I think we'll see China continue to grow. But part of it will mean that some of the industries that were in China will locate other places. Sometimes they'll, they'll reshore, as you say. Uh, other times, if they're fundamentally low-wage industries, they'll just look for other places where the wages are low. The, the economies seem to be, uh, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, more fragile than than the average person might think that they are. I mean, uh, you get a bunch of wildfires in, in Fort McMurray, and that has a that can have a very strong negative economic effect. Uh, what are some of the other examples of things that can really, um, you know, cause economic damage uh, to countries? Yeah, so I... In the, if, in the 2000s, you'll remember, we had a dot-com bust uh, where there was a sudden fall in the stock market as everybody decided technology stocks were worth a lot less than they thought. And then, more importantly, there was the financial crisis of uh, 2008 where uh, a big fall in the stock market and led to serious repercussions for the rest of the economy in the United States, Canada, and, and elsewhere. And then subsequent to that, we had the kind of knock-on crises involving uh, Greece, for example, and uh, some countries like Italy, Spain, Ireland. And so uh, there's been a feeling that the economy was fragile. And in fact, I think that was what was holding back the economy uh, during the period from, say, 2008 to now. And gradually what's happening is we're emerging from it. And so these modest growth uh, figures, the reason we're celebrating them is that they uh, secede uh, earlier growth, which was much, much slower. And so things will presumably get a little bit better. But the economy is fragile. We do have to worry about the fact that uh, we're not really into a solid, sustainable growth path yet. Okay. Michael Veal, a professor with the Department of Economics at McMaster University. Thanks for uh, sharing some time with us here this morning and helping us uh, understand all of this a little bit better. Do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye for now.